0: This episode of Art of the Score is proudly supported by the Melbourne Symphony Orchestra. Head over to www.mso.com.au forward slash movies for more information on their upcoming season of live movie score presentations. Welcome to Art of the Score, the podcast that explores, demystifies and celebrates some of the greatest soundtracks of all time from the world of film, TV and video games. I'm Andrew Pogson and in each episode we'll be joined by Daniel Golding and Nicholas Buck as we check out a soundtrack we love, break down its main themes, explore what makes the score tick and hopefully impart our love of the world of soundtracks. In episode three, we explore another classic Spielberg and Williams collaboration with the score from the 1993 film Jurassic Park. We begin our journey back in time with a look at the key themes from the score, along with some of the new techniques that Williams was employing at that moment in his career. We'll also take a closer look at some of the lesser known cues, dissect some of the possible influence on this score, and analyse Jeff Goldblum's amazing chest hair. And joining me, as always, is composer, arranger, orchestrator, conductor, and the principal pianist of Art of the Score, it's Nicholas Buck. How are you doing? I'm great, guys. I'm
1: feeling a little uh, naked because um, I just don't have as much chest hair as Jeff
0: Goldblum. <laughs> but I mean, like, uh, that's 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 my problem, really. <laughs> <laughs> and our third partner in this uh, prehistoric expedition is writer, critic, composer and university lecturer. It's Dan Golding. Welcome, Dan. How are you doing?
2: I'm doing good. I'm keen to discover how life finds a way today.
0: Oh, I'm loving... We're right in there with the quotes right yep. off the bat. I love it. I love it. Uh, so we're we you know, checking out Jurassic Park in this uh, third episode of Art of the Score, something that um, we're really looking forward to. And um, as you may have heard at the, the top of the show, uh, we're supported by the Melbourne Symphony Orchestra in this particular episode because they are doing Jurassic Park. Uh, this week. So head on over to their website and and check it out. should be a lot of fun. So we thought we'd look at some of these themes. Um, So Dan, just to get right into it, what can you tell us about Jurassic Park?
2: Uh, Well, it's a really interesting film uh, for both Spielberg and Williams. Uh, It sits at a real articulation point for Spielberg's career, I think. So it's 1993. Spielberg released two films that year. Uh, One was Jurassic Park and the other was, of course, Schindler's List. Uh, and I don't think you could get really two more dissimilar films in the Spielberg of, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, don't, um, I certainly don't think so. Yeah. And it's sort of, you know, uh, I think it, 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 suggests the change that he was going through where he'd done sort of popcorn flicks, uh, previously and really made his name for them in the seventies and eighties. And then from, from this point onwards, he starts to go more down the Schindler's list route with, you know, films like Amistad, uh, saving private Ryan, AI, etc. Um, now, it's an interesting film because it sort of looks backwards and forwards simultaneously. It's, I think it's really self-consciously in this history of kind of special effects films. So, in the 1920s, um, there was this film called uh, The Lost World, uh, based on the, the Arthur Conan Doyle uh, short Uh, uh, the story, Uh, 1925 that was, um, that was a real sort of special effects, um, black and white, monster movie, dinosaurs uh, fighting gorillas. And specifically
0: uh, like stop motion animation. Stop motion
2: animation, yeah, really, really beautiful. Um, I mean, it looks kind of hokey today, but I I think Mm. it's fantastic. And the sort of special effects on that film were then tried to be outdone again by King Kong. In 1933. Oh, of course. Only yes. eight years later. Um, where, again, we have a similar sort of dinosaur fight sequence. And so there's this sort of history, I think, um, that Jurassic Park plays into, and it has this reverence for this this sort of... Um, you know, special effects, blockbuster, mode of spectacle um, sort like of filmmaking. That, that's what the audience is coming along to see. Mm, yeah, Dinosaurs. I think so. Yeah. yeah, and it's part of this, part of this kind of tradition. Um, and certainly Jurassic Park, with its use of special effects, yeah. was you know, enormously game-changing for, for Hollywood. Um, but it also uh, goes into more contemporary styles of blockbusters. We've seen special effects emerge with films like uh, Star Wars and Close Encounters, of course. And so, with Jurassic Park, you get—I don't know—this this this broader thing that some film theorists have called the experience economy. And I mean, this is a gener- more general term as well. But you know, films that are about providing an experience to an audience. So you don't just go to you know your 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 tech, your multiplex, and see the film and then leave again. You also leave with your special edition Jurassic Park. Uh, you know, mug or like popcorn bucket or something like oh, that. Oh, right. I get you. Yep. And and Jurassic Park is, is, is you know, it's, it's it's like a destination movie, I suppose, if you wanted to use that. You know, people go to see this movie and I, I guess, you know, one of the broader ways that that fits in as well is that, I mean, it's a, a film about a theme park. Uh, the ride itself was planned and was being constructed while the film was being shot. Yep. Um, so you know there was a real sort of sense of, of surety that this is what it was going to be.
0: Is this um, super meta though? Mm. That the film is about you know lots of merchandising and um, and yeah. then this actual film is also about that. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it well, feels you, like there's a <laughs> film within a film or a... I don't know. No,
2: absolutely. This, <laughs> this was hugely controversial at the time. Yeah, there's, right. There's that shot in the film about three quarters of the way through where it is a shot of all the Jurassic Park merchandise. Yeah. And it's the actual Jurassic Park, the film merchandise <laughs> within the film. So, it's product placement <laughs> for itself. <laughs> um, so and, great. Yeah, lots of people didn't really like that at the time. Um, but it certainly signaled a new, new kind of, of blockbuster. Does that
1: mean it's like Jurassic Park could have been... Like a real life experience. Like people are watching this film going, actually, this could this could happen in next year. Like this thing will open somewhere in the world and we'll all fly to there and,
2: yeah, and, and experience but, it. Yeah, but I mean, it plays into all the things that I've been talking about because those gates, you know, as they go through the giant giant Jurassic Park gates at the start of the film, um, you know, Jeff Gorblum says, what do you got in there, King Kong? Yeah. You know, so filtering oh, totally, back to yeah. this old cinematic tradition, but at the same time, I mean, there was a Jurassic Park ride that uses that and it uses Williams music um, in the line while you're waiting there. And this is all the experience economy stuff is that it's about your experience you know, at the Jurassic Park theme park ride is not just the, the minute and a half you get on the ride itself. Uh, it's waiting in line. It's you, you get a little Jurassic Park name badge. It's all those things. And the music is really part of that. Um, so I think you know, as well as being an articulation point for Spielberg, it's definitely one for, for Williams as well as we get a real sort of change in some of his musical techniques.
1: All right. So let's get into some themes. Yeah, now, material. if I asked you two guys, um, sing me the theme from Jurassic Park. What would you hum?
0: Mm-hmm. I don't know why I chose it so high. Yeah, yeah or yeah. On, on the kazoo, something or other, <laughs> whatever <laughs> instrument you're, you've you got yeah. there. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. uh, Dan, uh, what would you hum?
2: Uh, I'd, I'd do the other one, though. <laughs> it's Jurassic Park. <laughs>
0: Um,
1: and which one – I mean, it, look, it's a good question because they are both um, as iconic as each other in my mind. Um, mm. We look at the CD soundtrack, it, the theme from Jurassic Park is uh, – Dan, you're the winner. It is uh, officially noted <laughs> as,
0: as your one, as that more noble um, – you know, a uh, hymn-like piece. I feel I got the moral victory, though. Yeah. Yeah. You know, my, my theme was better. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is
3: better.
1: Let's talk about
0: them. Let's, um, let's hear a bit of, just
1: to start us off with, um, the official theme from Jurassic Park. I really like that theme. I it's nice, really, isn't it? It's yeah. um, uh, I think it's a really um, look. It's a very simple theme. Let's let's not beat around the bush. It has um, I think it's interesting because in my mind, it's um, it's a polar opposite of that other one. Let's call the other one the island theme for for argument's okay. sake. Um, it's very it's very noble. It's very hymn-like, and I think part of what makes it this sort of um, you know, apart from its its stately tempo. Um, It's sort of grand uh, uh, illusion of grace about it is the the structure of how the melody is presented. And it's presented in a very sort of verse, chorus style presentation. You know, we we begin with um, a very simple, you know, set of chords. Except I'll play them right next time <laughs> <laughs> And um, it, it, it sort of It centres us It grounds us and then it builds up, and we have this da da de, da da, that much grander, what I really call like the chorus of this theme.
2: Well, it, to me, it sounds like an anthem. It sounds like it could be a national anthem for, you know, Jurassic Park. Dinosaurs. Yeah, yeah, yeah
1: absolutely. Um, and I think there's even just the chords that John Williams uses They're, I mean, we kind of got one, four, five, and a couple of suspensions
0: in there. Can you play it just with the chords? Nick, um, is that possible? I can.
1: Like Jurassic Park Sunday School, you know. They're, they're, yeah, you're right. They are very anthemic, very noble, stately. There's no kind of dissonance or anything kind of. And underwater. it is constantly
0: returning to home. You know? Yeah, it's uh, it's not moving anywhere. And I actually think that that's part of what makes it feel um, potentially like a sort of very stoic anthem. But in my mind, I actually think of it as a more of a religious, um, absolutely, yeah, a religious sort of hymn like a uh, theme that you could hear in a church. Yeah, on Sunday. Um, yeah. But the church is not the church of God. That's the church of science. Um, and, you know, it's these people. Uh, I mean, when's the first time the theme comes in? It's- uh, it comes in when they kind of get to, you know, they, they
1: land in the helicopter, they hop in the jeeps, and then they pull up on that big expansive field and they see the big... Uh, uh, God, I should have studied, studied my dinosaurs or before brontosaurus. This I think it's the brontosaurus, the huge one yeah. with the big long neck. It's got a long neck. You know, yeah, like, and yeah. they see it and it's like, wow, the wonder of science. You know, we have actually created dinosaurs. And I think this theme speaks about that um, that reverence and yearning and for you know for us humans to create something special and we have isn't it magnificent oh my god
2: aren't us humans amazing mm. you know thank you god that that's also coincidentally that scene is the first spielberg look uh, or the spielberg face of of the film where it i is, spoke yeah. about last week where spielberg has a re- this reoccurring motif throughout all of his films where we see the awe on the person's face before we see what they're looking at and that's Probably the most spectacular example through all of his films but it 's
0: multiple Spielberg faces. Yeah, yeah. they go through actually every member of the car don 't they or at least all of the yeah. main characters yeah, yeah. Like, and, mm. and they 're all waiting for it, like the whole audience is waiting to see mm. the first glimpse of a dinosaur yeah. like in full mm. and' you know, it's such he- a spectacular reveal too I mean and, and to, not to get too much back to those special effects, I, I remember as a kid seeing this in the cinema, and it is one of those rare occasions in cinema going life where uh, it took my breath away. You know, yeah, it's the first time I had seen something that looked real. You know, it, it, in my mind, it didn't look like it was, uh, you, you can't see the seams, you can't see the stop motion, you can't see the, uh, you know, that it's fake. Mm. And it was really a breathtaking moment. I actually think that this theme is what helps sell that scene. Mm. Um, that you've got this sort of really majestic theme. Um, it's very grounded, just like the the massive dinosaur is very grounded. Mm. Um, you have a, a melody that is constantly returning back to its the same note. Da 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 da. da. It just keeps on, you know, hitting yep. da da, yep. da 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 da. But most of it is heading down. Um, and da, da 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 and it goes up again. da 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 but it is mostly heading down. Um, and I think that, yeah, it just helps ev- yeah. <clears throat> add weight and, and everything. So, and I think, yeah. you know, when we go down
1: this religious aspect, um, I see, <laughs> I don't know if anyone else hears this, I hear like gospel influences. Like, tell me if this, this is another famous gospel song. <imbap> <rhythmic chords> <laughs>
0: I love how you're mashing them up. You're mashing uh, them yeah, up yeah. live.
1: I'm butchering this, but um, I'm <laughs> sure great. John Williams did not have that in, mm. in his brain. Hmm. Uh, but I, I hear a huge resemblance to
0: lean on me for some reason. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: They're doing similar things. I can see yeah,
0: that. They are. Yeah, they are. And um, what's happening in the instrumentation there, Nick, that um, I know there's a, a chorus... Um, that's the other thing we haven't discussed. Yeah, there is, yeah. Uh, which again really points to this theory of its um,
1: religious, yeah. um yeah, underpinnings, like like the choir singing in church. Absolutely, um, you know, there's a real sense of reverence about it, and maybe yeah, that's that connection to to God or whatever, or to the greater powers that are going here is
0: like a connection back to 65 million years ago, and John Williams is is sort of channeling that. Do you th- do you think it's? I mean, because I'm I'm pretty confident here in my opinion, huh? um, that it's it's the, it's the Church of Science. I I mean, they sort of refer to God... I mean, it's, it's Jeff who sort of says... Jeff Goldblum, mm. who says... What's his character's name again? It? Uh, Dr. His, Mal- Ian Malcolm. Yeah, Ian Malcolm. Ian Malcolm. Um, how he points out that they're messing with nature but it's not there's it's not really a god thing it's more of a nature and a Mm. you know evolution and and so on it's Mm. so the whole thing always feels like a very sciencey vibe even though they could have very easily taken it into a you're playing god and i guess Mm. they sort of do when they talk about creating and
2: yeah i mean they're not quite so interested in that though it's it's more like playing with forces that they don't understand yeah Yeah, Um, yeah
0: yeah and i think that that's why um this this theme is interesting because I think, in some ways, it can be used as both. It can be a sort of a god uh, religion, asp- you know, vibe to it. At least that's what it's it's um, harking back to. But it's portrayed in a the majesty of nature rather than the majesty of God. If if talking back to our our first couple of episodes with you know the Ark, where it's the <laughs> majesty of God very much, but this is the majesty of nature and and in all that's of its sort of uh, glory and. Um, it's a danger as well. Yep. Yeah. Um, the other thing I, I find interesting is the presentation that we get right at the end of the film, where they're sort of
1: sailing away in the uh, in the helicopter there. Um, the, the performance of it there is completely different to when we first encounter it. No longer is it sort of grounded in these strong you know, chords. Uh, there's a lot more ambiguity in the harmony and I'll, I'll just play a bit on the piano here. I'm sure you recognise this bit. Have a listen. Almost... I think there's one chord here which is just a normal stock major chord. There's all all kinds of suspensions or seconds going on. so on and so forth it's very um, so different it is so different mm-hmm. and it really kind of um, I mean John Williams is just sort of on the back of I think sort of Hook and Home Alone you know, and I, I hear very sort of similar you know um, this sort of uh,
3: <laughs> which is yeah. Home Alone of course yeah, yeah.
1: Um, mm. and uh You know, from, from Hawkeye. From yeah. Sort of that light delicateness. Mm. Um, and apart from these two performances, there's not a huge um, variety in how this scene is performed. It's either the majesty of the dinosaurs in the park or it's sort of uh, that really light kind of play, play box, or toy box kind of performance.
0: And I think it matches where they are in the film. I mean, at the start, they're in awe of, of what has happened. At the end of the film, it's, it's like the dream of what they were trying to... Achieve at the park is sort of dead you yeah. know and and it's it's a memory now, and so the the harmony is no longer confident and strong um, the harmony is sort of unsure and uh you know not really suggesting where it wants to head and I think it's a really interesting reharmonisation really matches that scene. It sort of feels more like relief than anything and and John (laughs) Williams has done that um, not
2: just with Jurassic Park but E.T. also ends with solo piano I mean not solo piano but you know re-articulation of the main theme with piano which you don't hear in the rest of the film and also a bit like the end of Jaws as well um, where we have some of the main themes return in this much more major key uh, as as they're returning to shore Um, and that similar sort of music Like end credits as relief to the tension that we've been feeling throughout the rest of the film.
1: Yeah, and I I, I discovered there was a bridge. You guys, you know the bridge? No. Yeah, it's it's. You only hear it a couple of times.
3: Mm. Oh yeah.
1: I I can't even think where that comes in the film. Maybe maybe it's just in the end credits. One of those
0: little uh, John Williams Easter eggs that he just throws in.
1: (laughs) But um, maybe it's a pop song: verse, chorus, bridge. Well, Mm. if you're um, if you're
0: listening, if you're listening on uh, in podcast land, and you know where that comes in in the film, um, hit us up on Twitter Mm. um, at Art of the Score. What's our Instagram? um, Instagram it's account. Art of the score. Oh well, there Same we are. Indeed. You only have to remember one. Um, yeah, uh, uh, chuck us a question on there. We'll um, we'd love to hear where this is from. So, but I, I love that little cue. I love the the well, not the cue, the the bridge. The bridge it's, um, nice. it's such a great uh, John Williams thing where he has so many moments in in a lot of his themes where it. Sort of sounds like he's constantly changing keys in impossible directions, but manages to make it find its way back at the end. It's, yeah, mm. it's just really interesting harmonically where that where that leads. And the second theme,
2: uh, I I do agree with you is probably better than the the first. I certainly it, like it. It, it, it is, a lot is my favourite mm. compared to the other one. Yeah. Mm. Maybe we all just like a good trumpet,
1: a good trumpet <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> led theme. Yeah. Um, so look, let let let's by comparison, let's hear a bit of the um the other one. The Bridge Different, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, to me, this is this is like um, if that last theme was, you know, the the this what did you call it, Andrew, the sound of science?
0: Yeah, the church of science. The church of science theme.
1: This is like this is. This is the theme park theme. This is the totally. fun, the fantasy element. This is Disneyland for kids or people who just can't wait to see Diane's dinosaurs and go on all the rides. And
2: mm. go on. It's going to be great. We're going to make lots of money. Mm. Um, and it's you know, going places. It's this going music places. is going somewhere. And this, from uh, my recollection anyway, of the actually several times now that I've been on the Jurassic Park ride, this is the music that they play in the line, actually. So it does reinforce that. Um, that sort of that's, analysis That's market thing. branding right yeah. there <laughs> yeah. But yeah It's
1: certainly It's it's certainly The adventure theme Of the mm. park You know yep. It's it's full of excitement um, It's B-flat major Just like Star Wars was I mean mm. It starts with Two opening fifths I mean You can't get any more Sort of Noble and heroic And mm. adventure filled Than that mm. um, It's like sort of Two leaps of Superman
2: Put together Yeah mm. <laughs> mm. um, and yeah, yeah it's, it's 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 the real fantasy element. And to, to reinforce what we've been saying about this sort of being, I don't know, kind of hymn-like or anthem-like, there was something that I noticed in the in the bridge there that I'd, I'd like to compare with something else is um, that, so three years later, uh, John Williams did some music for the Atlanta Olympics. Now, he'd done some music oh, yeah. for the Olympic he's Games. He's done a few, he's yeah. done a few uh, sporting mm. events. He has, mm. yeah. But the, the mode that we get into with the bridge uh, in the, uh, this section, um, to me, I just, well, here we go. I'll start with Jurassic Park and then we'll move into Summon the Heroes from 1996 Atlanta Olympics. And so yeah, I just feel like Yeah, and, and yeah. what
1: I know straight away is the the similarity is that the theme is dominated by the strings, mm. whatever they're doing. It's quite a meandering, you know, da 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 mm. da Um It's quite a beautiful flowing theme. But it's actually what's going on around it. The harmony, there's no solid foundation of chords. Um there's sort of just it's almost like work in progress, meandering, you know, um, harmonic stuff mm. in the case of Jurassic Park you know the horns basically carry it you know you know they're sort of just, just on these sort of not quite centred we're not mm. sure where the harmony Almost is fitting really. yeah, kind of yeah mm. high mid-range clusters um, that are kind of tonal but they're certainly not identifiable major chords mm. and it just yeah it's sort of it's holding holding
0: music with it. sort yeah. of
1: on the journey, but we're not quite. Yeah, we're not quite there yet. It's mm. really, really nice technique.
0: And one mm. of the things I, I really like about this cue is that when I always love the imagery in in John Williams' uh, writing, and you've got the the main, you know the. Main melody, which we've just been talking about, but then there's all of the auxiliary stuff happening around it. So it's in the uh, uh, certainly with harps and uh, is it glock and uh, glockenspiel and and other things um, that in my mind is musical sunlight mm. um, twinkling <laughs> off beautiful Andrew. Yeah, thank <laughs> you, um, glinting off the you know the Jurassic Park sign. You to just play the beginning again. You can you can hear it all through there. There's all these little twinkly. Um, music. Is it like the um, when we see the Disney logo and that shooting star goes yeah, over the castle? There is. Uh, yeah. is that kind of whats the version that? of what it is? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Things really yeah. high. <laughs> the yeah, yeah. yeah, they're flowing, and, and the woodies all... are just flying
2: all over the show. Yeah,
0: and it's piccolo, what right up there. There's all these yeah. little twinkly, twinkly mm. lights. It's shiny and new.
2: This park. Well, I, I, I think that's kind of interesting as well because if you place that against the special effects, one of the huge breakthroughs for Jurassic Park was getting this getting at this thing this perception of realism because actually up until this point one of the problems with creating realistic special effects was that they appeared too real in that they didn't replicate the errors that a camera a celluloid camera has and so motion blur was the big thing for jurassic park Mm. so that when the dinosaurs run it seems to blur like as if we'd actually like a real person yeah but of course there's no like our eyes don't have motion blur when we see something run so it's about the film itself and that that's perfectly beautifully sort of self-joked about in the in the scene later uh, mid in the film with, with the with the objects in the mirror may appear closer than they than they seem <laughs> <laughs> you know oh, yeah, yeah. they're, they're yep. running from the the Tyrannosaurus Rex uh, every time i see a car or get into a car that has that little so yeah, I, it's all I just, can think of. That's all yeah, I can yeah, think yeah, of is yeah. Jurassic Park. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I always just like check behind me just in yeah. case. <laughs> yeah, And and the use of mirrors throughout the film is, you know, that's how, of course, the kids defeat the velociraptors in the kitchen is because they see themselves in the mirror. And so that sort of playing with what we perceive to be real through this kind of dirtiness over the top um, is, is I think, I that's kind of, it almost ties in with what you're saying about this little bit of glamour uh, over the orchestration.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and uh, like I said, it's it's just such great uh music um, storytelling um, mm. or imagery uh, that's that's done there. One other thing I noticed about this theme is that the its first appearance in the film
1: is you know when they're flying through to the island, and the it's such a powerful start with just these low trombones sort of. But everything we've had before is quite light and in a completely different meter. It's sort of this twelve eight. I'll just play a bit of it and 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 talk about it. In a second And to my This has really Kind of um, It's almost like Sort of Teddy bear's picnic You know We're going off On a journey <speaks Beatles singing> and It's definitely Dance like Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's really kind of Light and, and fun And bouncy and jaunty And then um, he just—he doesn't do any kind of metric modulations or changes or kind of um, segues into it. He just he just rips us right into something different, as if like we're in the helicopter and someone said, huh, "Look," you yeah. know. And I think we get that shot on someone's face, mm. um, and it just shifts gears straight away. And it's really the impact. I remember every time I see that film. Oh, I just yeah. Here we go. <laughs> we, we're into four four. The trombones have started. It's
2: about to begin. Film students, there you go. As te- <laughs> textbook just change change moods? It works. Yeah. yeah. Um. As far as main theme goes, I mean that that's pretty much it. Um. We've got a whole bunch of sub themes. Uh. But yeah. But I guess you'd call yeah. I guess you'd call them sub themes yeah, or, or, or lesser lesser themes m- minor themes. I don't the, know. the ones yeah. that aren't on the CD. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Um. But yeah, those two are the main So the main well, ones. Let, let, let's go through some of the other ones. Dan, do you want mm. to.
1: What's your favourite of the sub themes? Well, I
2: do, I do really like what, what's called the panic, theme. The panic uh, theme. Yeah, which is played in the, the, the sort of more suspenseful, even mysterious, not necessarily threatening moments, um, but it sort of represents, I suppose, the things going wrong. wrong. All right, let's. For those of you who aren't sure which bit we mean, this one. <laughs> So it's really kind of unsettling in a way. It's, it's uh, you took the words out of my yeah. mouth. It's any word I can think for it. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely unsettling. It's not set uh, in in really any particular harmonic thing. It, it's sort of it feels like the ground is being pulled out from under your feet. Um, it's quite strong orchestration as well with the winds. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah, it is. And and like it's it's really
1: just simple
2: two part writing, or um,
1: well, sort of one part writing in thirds. So um, you know. You know, so on and so forth, and it just meanders around in these sort of, yeah, um, awkward intervals. Mm. Um, sometimes the meter changes from five four to four four. We're never quite sure where it's going, where it's landing, but it's absolutely unsettling. I think you've sort of hit the nail on the head there. Mm.
0: And what really struck me about this when I went back through the score um, in preparation for this this episode uh, is that this is like a real use of a very old. Uh, musical theme, and by old I mean probably thirteen hundred years plus, um, which is the use of the the Dies Irae theme, which is an old, uh, I guess, um, Latin mass. Uh, which I believe translates as Day of Wrath or sometimes Day of the Dead, but Day of Wrath. I'll take um, your word for it. Take yep. your word, yeah. Um, and uh, it's often, uh, you know, turns up in sort of religious, um, uh, you know, s- not, I guess ceremonies, but um, certainly requiems and, and so on. There's a, always a de- uh Judgment. You know, judgment, <clears throat> yeah. And this theme is probably, and I'm going to throw this out there, uh, Probably the most ripped off theme in the history of Western ripped music. Off,
2: would you say ripped off? I would say it's more like it's it's the way that musicians have a conversation
0: <laughs> with history.
2: That each of them rearticulates it. In a in ripped a different off is way, is, yeah. is very much the wrong wrong yeah. word, but it, it's <laughs>
0: certainly the the um a theme that is used throughout the history of Western music, um, always to, or often, to signify some sort of danger or death or something. And so I thought it might be, uh, if you guys will allow me, mm. to just do a little a quick right-hand turn here and actually look at some of the the DSC ray other examples from other movies and other things where this sort of pops up because it's, it comes up in some of the most bizarre places. So I thought we'd just start... I'll play you the original. This is how it would have been sung right back in the day. So we're really talking about the the opening um, statement in this, which is the one that most of the time the the composers sort of uh, allude to. So it's this... um, (laughs) Yeah, sorry, sorry, Nick. Yeah, so it's that opening statement there, and this can be found throughout all sorts of things. I mean, we have uh, it comes up in uh, very easy to identify in uh, the fifth movement of Symphony Fantastique by Berlioz. Uh, just have a listen to this. And so on and so forth. And it, th- that particular movement is a, um, I think the imagery around it is, it's a whole bunch of witches from memory. Um, so once again, sort of this idea of sort of death and, and danger. Um, and in terms of movies, it comes up in unexpected places. So uh, there's a little statement of it uh, in uh, It's a Wonderful Life, um, right towards <laughs> the end of the, uh, the film um, in a queue called The Prayer. Um, who, who was the composer again of This Wonderful Life? Wow. No, I. Yep. T- I was about t- to say. I think it's Dmitri. Dimitri Tiomkin. Dimitri, yeah, yes. yeah. In fact, it is. Yeah. Uh, and and here it is. It's in, the, it's in the scene where he's on the bridge with yeah. the, the snow and he's sort of yelling out. Um, I've never heard it with such beautiful, rich chords underneath. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> last little phrases. Yeah, nice voice. And uh, this is one that, that Dan reminded me about, um, mm. the opening of The Shining.
1: Oh, don't don't lie, Andrew. That was you playing the tuba in grade <laughs> seven, wasn't it? Come on, I've heard it's, that recording before. <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, that, that's the first that's the first mm. cue, isn't it? In the yeah, in the it whole is, movie? Yeah,
2: and it's an electronic reorchestration of it. I think. So yeah. It's, yeah,
0: um And uh, I've got a bunch of other examples here where they only just use little snippets, which I guess is is sort of what we're talking about with Jurassic mm. Park is um, only really using that opening the first four, two, notes. four notes. Yeah. yeah. Um, And here it is in uh, Sweeney Todd. And here comes the accompaniment uh, with just little excerpts.
2: He kept a shop in London town.
0: Little excerpt there.
1: Of fancy clients and good renown. And what if none of their souls were saved? They went to their maker impeccably shaved. By Sweeney, by Sweeney Todd. The Demon
3: Barber of Fleet Street.
0: And then a little more overtly here. Swing your
3: razor wide, sweetly. Hold it to the skies. Free.
0: And I realise that that's a little abstract uh, no, no, but I, I've heard that piece so many times I've never actually thought oh yeah it's a D.O.C. Ray mm-hmm. yeah, yeah and of course you know the, the idea of Sweeney Todd is it's, a, you know, it's demon, about sort of demons right. and uh, murdering and all sorts of bad things so mm-hmm. um, and only because I just uh, these are some of my favourite scores uh, there's a couple of classic ones which if you're not aware of these um, at home these are really great ones too uh, that most people will be familiar with these and uh, first one is from uh, The Lord of the Rings and mm-hmm. it actually comes up lots uh, but there's a particular um, sort of very overt time when, in the first film, when the hobbits are at uh, Weathertop and they're attacked by the uh, ringwraiths for the first time, and you uh, get once again that little DSE ray excerpt. And that's all in that sort of baseline. That burn, dun, 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 dun. But they continue on. Um, and likewise, it comes up in uh, Star Wars in uh, A New Hope uh, during the burning homestead. Sees his parents here. And the DC is in the accompaniment here. at the end so it even finishes with a blah da, 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 but because it's in a, a different harmony it doesn't really sound overtly like a dsra no and
1: it's also the those sort of trombone bell like tones they don't start on on the downbeat so it really it, it's disguised i mean maybe maybe he thought Putting it in, it could just be coincidental, but you're it absolutely sure. I mean, yeah. it,
0: like it, it's there. I, yeah. I think it's definitely
2: there. I think, yeah. I mean, it it fits thematically with the film. That's the real fates turning moment of the first film. Yeah. Uh,
0: and I've got one more funny example for you. One more, if you if you can um, stand one more. But it's uh, this actually turns up in a Disney film, and I'm not counting Star Wars as a Disney film, uh, at least not in the context of Episode Four, anyway. Um, it comes up in The Lion King, uh, and it is when Scar says to, the, uh, um, to his little minions, uh, kill him, and we get a little um, statement of the DSC Ray theme. I'll show you that little excerpt. It's very short. Kill him. And that's all you get of it, right? So, <laughs> if, if,
1: I, if I can say one, one thing about a lot of these examples, is that they're really just using the first four notes, that's Yeah like that's the minimum number required to imply
0: the mm. D is zero. You know, if you just yeah. went the first three, yeah, it could be anything. Well, that's the beginning of the uh, the uh, Jurassic Park thing. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Yeah, we can redo
0: this.
1: But yeah, it's that fourth note that that really kind of, I guess, Mm. cements the path of that that melody.
2: Interesting. So I think as well, one of the really interesting things uh, that we can take from the panic theme as well Uh, just to end on, is that I think it opens up a new sort of mode of suspense musical writing that continues throughout later John Williams' work. So I've just prepared a few cues which I want to play for you uh, from starting with Jurassic Park and then we'll go through some others just just to show you. It's not the DSE or anything, but it's more this use of woodwinds often or strings in a long, continuous line, uh, sort of sinewy um, to to give you suspense, I think, or uncertainty. So uh, here we go. Let's start with Jurassic Park. Now we've got Attack of the Clones. We've got Chamber of Secrets, Harry Potter, uh, here. Minority Report, coming up here. And then, Not Williams. So of course, that last piece is Bernard Herrmann, Vertigo, uh, and I think maybe that's also where he's drawing on. Uh, maybe, maybe there are other better examples uh, well, than that. For
1: I me. mean, for for my, uh, they're all yeah, really. <laughs> eye-opening examples um, the biggest difference I heard um, between the William stuff and the Herman stuff was all of a sudden with the Herman stuff the harmony felt a little more yeah. sure of itself yep. whereas the William stuff in amongst all the meandering whether it's you know mm. um, there's just sort of there's a low-end kind of um, insecurity mm. that you know doesn't ground us anywhere and keeps the, the orchestra moving so there's momentum um, there is kind of, there's a direction, we just don't know what direction it is. Yeah. And I think that's, that's really effective film, film writing. Yeah. And it obviously works for him.
2: And, and definitely, yeah. And I mean, it is also quite a particular period. Um, Attack of the Clones, Chamber of Secrets and Minority Report are all early 2000s scores as well. So it's a bit of an echo of this, you know, uh, about a decade after from Williams in this kind of writing, I think. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, what about the Petticoat Lane theme? Is that even a worthy theme? Yeah, it's a lovely piece of
1: music. It is a nice piece of music, isn't mm. it? This is a scene where um, uh, Hammond, John Hammond, is sort of recounting his stories of, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the Flea Circus and the days gone by of of carousels and rounds and all these, you know, beautiful images. This, this scene um, really, it, it features a Celeste playing this kind of merry-go-round uh, carousel-like little theme. But it's quite... There's there's some chords or notes that John Williams throws in which really uh, it sort of sours the whole mood and he's remembering a time that um, obviously he has fond memories of it but things just haven't gone to plan and I think that really comes through in, in, in the cue and I'm gonna I'm gonna play a few things after it um, which. Uh, other uses, I guess, of John Williams' um, Celeste writing in and around this. So, there's some stuff from Hook Home Alone and you really feel that there's, there's a similar vibe um, and we'll, we'll talk about it at, at the end. Sequence from hook now. Oh. Home Alone. And this one, of course, needs no introduction. And I think what is so similar about the use of this particular instrument is it's sort of conveying um, a level of innocence and youth. Um, and it could be as much as that. De- that the celeste instrument itself just sounds like um, a kid's toy. It sounds like a, a little tiny instrument that a that a child would have. Um, you know, it could be a music box even. And I think that that link to the to the past or to a you know a time a time gone gone by. Whether it's a magical mystery thing in the Harry Potter. You know, they're all kids there or home alone. You know, it's the sound of Kevin by himself. I think of Hook, Peter Pan. Uh, you know. Um, in, in the film it's Peter Banning played by Robin Williams wishing you know and trying to recount his memories of, of of a childhood and similar thing here with Hammond recounting his memories of this kind of carousel fairy
2: fairy and, ground and thing. of course the links to Tchaikovsky as well which it would be most famous for outside of film
0: music I would say uh, exactly yeah and if I was going to play anything else it, it would be something of, of Tchaikovsky um, and we we actually have a bit of a special treat here um, we have a real life Celeste in the room not not a not a keyboard, not a sample uh, music. And uh, yeah, we've, we have nothing but the best for, uh, for Nicholas Buck here. So we've got our, uh, got our Celeste and he's going to give us a, a little little demonstration. So just have, have a listen to this Petticoat Lane theme again. I'm going to play it on the Celeste. And just
1: have a listen especially to what the left hand is doing and how it, it starts out kind of pleasant, but uh, things sort of go awry as Hammond tells his story and it really it sort of unravels a bit. So far, so good. Especially those last couple of bars where just sort of each note kind of is like stepping and finding its way to this sort of sinister, sinister line. Um, It's mixing the childlike element of the music box With some dissonance That really just makes it Makes it kind of unnerving in this particular scene And think of how many horror films have used A similar type instrument You know, A kid's toy box sitting in the corner Mm -hmm. Playing Mm -hmm. this kind of creepy melody Um, I can't think of any examples off the top of my head Or
2: even in uh, the Dollars trilogy uh, The second one uh, For a few dollars more The bad guy is signified by a, a music box That he carries with him
1: Shall we move on, Nick? Yeah, let's, let's move on. I think Look, one of the other big themes, or well, not really big themes, but um, I say big because I know uh, Spielberg mentions it in the liner notes even of Jurassic Park as one of his favourite moments. And that's the, um, what he dubs the music of the Brachiosaurus. Um, but I've got a bone to pick with Spielberg and Williams when they made this CD uh, in that the music which I'm about to play, um, which is very famous and beautiful... He's not for the Brachiosaurus at all. It's for the Triceratops. And it's for that scene early on in the film after they've got to the park where they come across this poor, sick Triceratops. And, you know, this is is one of those moments where John Williams just decides, I'm just going to bring out a really glorious theme which possibly is even more interesting and nice than the main Jurassic Park theme. Whoa. Look, it is. I think it's, (laughs) look, I I think it's beautiful. So I'm going to play a bit of it here. And instantly I actually just thought of it then. I hear so much of saving private Ryan. Mm. Oh um, yeah. Yeah yeah yeah. Um You know that, that, that mm, yeah, that, that sort of absolutely. anthemic bait that sort of just that, sort of
2: comes through into the film every so often. You know, some of the sort of the, the friendship themes from the first two Harry Potter films as well, yeah. Harry's Wanderer's world. That that sort of really romantic, lush, uh, major tonal writing. Yeah,
1: and there's uh, there's a lot of um,
2: sort of major sevenths and
1: minor ninths. I mean, for those of you who have no idea what I'm talking about, um, they're just extra notes in in the chords that really. I mean, they're sort of They're almost jazzy a bit if you played it the right way You know, there's, yeah, there's just a sort of a language there, which is very, it sort of smacks of Americana a bit yeah. as well. You know, maybe some Copeland. I'm in a
0: classy restaurant in the 80s. That's what I'm hearing yeah. there. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, why, why that music for a sick triceratops? I don't know. Um, mm. But it's certainly, it's very imploring and it makes us really feel, you know, that's, this is not a scary dinosaur here, people. Mm. This is a nice, we really are emphatic and, and, and caring for this poor little sick guy. Do you guys know why the Triceratops is sick? Uh, oh, wait a minute. Okay, I didn't because know this. This, this, this. I think this is a bit of a... I've read it's a bit of a... It's not a red herring, but there's, it's never explained because they say, oh, he ate the berries. And then one of the characters Can says, I guess? Because
0: okay, okay, I, I watched. I only watched the movie yesterday and it's only because you've asked the question. I'm now going <laughs> to... I didn't think about it at the time. Uh, is it because there's a part in the film which I totally missed as a kid where they mention that they've engineered the dinosaurs to not have uh, some kind of chromosome or lysine enzyme-creating ability and that they have to feed the the dinosaurs that enzyme for them to be able to survive. Is the idea that this dinosaur has not had that enzyme, is that what it is?
1: That's a fantastic theory. The actual real reason Um, is much more simple in that... Um, they said it oh, eats the berries, but and then someone says, No, no, they don't eat those berries. What they do, though, they apparently eat these rocks, and the rocks had been near the berries and it got sick. And it was all explained in some deleted scene. <laughs> oh, and it's as simple right. and stupid as that. But, you know, it gives them time to be distracted and get out of the jeeps so that the storm can come. Mm. And later, you know, it's like a plot device to yeah, make right. sure they're
2: trapped on the ride.
0: It also allows them to use a practical effect.
2: Yes, absolutely. I mean, that's the beautiful thing about the first Jurassic Park film is the combination of those puppets uh, and animatronics with the uh, the digital effects. It just works so well.
1: Mm. Um, and I think I think that probably the final theme or motif in this film is the music for Newman. Sorry. Dennis. <laughs> uh, Wayne Knight's character, the cunning, uh, s- slightly overweight, shall we say, or very overweight uh, computer programmer who... He's playing Newman. He's, he's mm. playing Newman, yeah, yeah. basically. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's perfect typecasting. Um, and he gets this really quite different sound from the whole rest of the score. There's some sort of um, electronic synth stuff mm. in there. Um, and I, I found this out just the other day, but it's... Um, almost very strongly note for note uh, ripped off from John Williams himself believe it or not um, just a few years earlier his uh, scored to Oliver Stone's JFK um, some of the sort of the music for what they call the conspirators in that film uh, is really similar and I think you guys if you haven't heard this comparison you're in for a shock check it out <laughs> Now, JFK. Jurassic Park.
0: talking about, Nick. They sound uh, yeah, nothing yeah. alike. <laughs> I mean, look, yeah,
1: the, the things that are that are, are constant in there is this sort of this low angular kind of tapping rhythm. You know, and it's just a it's a groovy bass line. You know, meandering over the top and then he gets these really kind of tense chords that uh, kind of just swell up.
2: And yeah. back down. I mean, it really, really reveals his... Training as a jazz guy Yeah I, I mean th- those so chords a time Afro-Cuban yeah, Sort of feel to it absolutely. Yeah
0: Absolutely yeah. like- <laughs> You know It's yeah. so like such a jazz Sort of Afro-Cuban thing And the
1: chords are like You know They're like um, uh, Ninth chords With like major sevens And minor ninths. Great <laughs> You know It could be like Funky like a Dave Rubeck You know, who, who knows? And I'm sure John Williams probably riffed on that as a as a kid grooving up in the clubs of yeah, New I mean, York that, or something. That, but
2: that that first call that you played, uh, that's uh, James Bond. The final. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: Goodbye, Mr. Bond. It totally is. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah.
2: Yep. Well,
1: uh, can I just say, yeah, so what, what, again, is Newman like, was he like in the running after Pierce Brosnan or something yeah. to be <laughs> the next James Bond or the next
0: Blofeld? Shave his head. Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it's obviously, it's obviously the, the, the sound of conspiracy. Yeah. Like you mm, said, it's the sound of spies and, you know, people mm. doing nefarious acts. Yeah. Mm. And, and that's the, the
2: uh, I mean, why. you know, when you said Afro-Cuban before, I mean, we are in the Caribbean. Oh, yeah, right. Um, yep. That's where the Jurassic Park Island is, so. Um, let's look at a couple of other little cues. Uh, yeah, let's talk about the action music. I, I mean, I so I think Jurassic Park is a real turning point for John Williams and the way that he writes action music. Uh, I mean, we heard last week with Raiders of the Lost Ark, what he's doing there is he's got melodies, he's got a distinct musical idea for each action set piece. You can go through a film like Raiders and say, here are the main action pieces and here are the musical ideas that go with each of them. Now what happens with Jurassic Park I think is it really starts to shift to this era where it's so complex. Yeah,
1: absolutely. There's uh, you
2: almost can't pick where mm. where the metric time is, where the beats are, where the downbeats are. I feel like only he knows what's going on really. <laughs> like it's 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 I mean it's incredible and it works well, but it's it's so complicated.
1: Yeah, let's um I want to play a bit from towards the end of the film. There's a big kind of T-Rex fight. Um and have a listen in particular in this queue, how John Williams, I guess, morphs from just crazy frenetic action music, um, how he kind of gets out of it. And by that, I mean how he gets into a more atonal place. It isn't a direct shift, like boom, major key. There, he uses the Jurassic Park theme to kind of morph his way into something a bit more heroic, a bit more of a semblance of victory. Um, and it's, yeah, it's interesting. But first of all, pay attention to the action music because it is... Pretty complex. So you mm. know, similar to how we discussed a bit with Raiders, it's more like the orchestra's—you know—they're they're trying, they're trying to get up, they're trying to get mm. that positive momentum back.
0: Yeah, and, and and what I really like about how it shifts from one to the other is is just how that the you know the melody is first brought in by the horns. Like it sort of has this really sort of anguish, you know, version where it's you know it's pushing and pulling against the action music, and that's really where it first starts. And it's like the orchestra pricks its ears up. And listens to that And is like Oh yeah that's right You yeah. know And then they come Let's in Let's all afterwards. join in Yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a cool little transition yeah. actually And did you guys hear
1: There's a little snippet Well I guess we call it The raptor theme mm. In there This sort of uh...
3: Yeah
2: I quite like that It feels really elemental Especially later in the film Where it's played on A tuba I assume Like just Yeah It just feels like overwhelming uh yeah incomprehensible in a way just fear well i suppose yeah absolutely yeah um so i mean one of the other things i guess we can talk about uh at this point is um so here's the thing um as well that i believe as far as i can tell jurassic park contains john williams only music for an animation before tintin Oh, oh, you're talking
1: about Mr. DNA, yeah?
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Absolutely, that, that, the
1: Carl Stalling bit. Mm. Yeah, look, it probably does. I mean, this is maybe he hasn't. I mean, he
2: does it so well. Surely he's had training here somewhere. I know? look. I as far as I can tell, at least at least for a a, a feature length. Um, Film. Yeah. That's about it. Yeah. yeah. So
0: for people who are a little perplexed as what we are talking about, uh, Nick, do you have something to play for us? Where this, yeah. So this, this is the um,
1: this is the bit where they basically are getting a sort of cartoon demonstration of how they've created you know the DNA for the dinosaurs and and made dinosaurs. Um, and look, I'll, I'll 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 play a bit of it that goes into um, a bit of Gershwin's An American in Paris because there are some similarities in the writing. <laughs>
2: It's interesting. It? I mean, I lo- those are almost some of my most favourite bits from John Williams' scores, is where he's allowed to do something a bit weird, <laughs> a bit like crazy. yeah, like the the cantina band or you know anything okay. like that, where it's sort of just quite different from the rest of the tonal palette of the film.
0: And each time, it's uh, at least in those two examples, it's music that is coming from the film. Mm. Um, is that called source music? Is yeah, that the correct yeah, term yeah, for yeah.
2: it? Or, or diegetic?
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, where the you know the music is coming from the you know. From inside mm. the world, uh, the world of uh, the movie. And In fact, like you could easily see Jurassic Park and not know that John
1: Williams actually wrote that stuff. Well,
0: mm. well, I didn't. Yeah. So you guys are actually uh, <laughs> showing me this for the first time because I, you know, I watched it and I thought to myself. I remember thinking this. Uh, I. W- you know, surely John Williams didn't write that. I wonder who did. they just and, used, yeah. or they've just used some stock Carl Stalling yeah, yeah. Looney Tunes music totally. or something. From, and from, uh, yeah. I had no idea. Mm, That's really cool. 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 Yeah. Such a cool little piece, though. Yeah. I'd love, to, I'd love to have a concert version of that. Yeah. piece uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> great. Um,
1: we should also talk about um, in this score, just very briefly, um, Williams' use of synth, yeah. uh, choirs, and drums. Um, uh, let's, let's begin with the very first cue The opening titles um, Hits us with a bang with this giant synth taiko um, And you can, you can tell it's sort of It probably is a taiko that's been processed somehow Because it, it doesn't sound normal um, And this cluster of dissonant, dissonant chorus um, It's really, it's a striking opening of the flute here. Uh, that's the shakuhachi flute who uh, we all know from James Horner's music <laughs> uh, which he used to great effect to sort of just Indicate some sort of impending howling wolf threat. You know, that's mm. oh, right. sort of what yep. it sounds like in the distance. Mm. Um, it's a, it could be almost do you like think it's call, real? Call, call th- of an animal.
0: Do you think it's synth or real? I think it? the
1: Chaco is real. Yeah, yeah. okay. okay. Um, I think they've, they've certainly the got, the got a lot of processing is. on it,
0: though. Mm. Yeah, even the choir does a bit there. Yeah. Mm. Um, well, I was even going to ask, do you think the choir's is real on that particular cue? I know it is later on, but. I reckon for 93, probably real, just processed. Yeah, because it just sounds so unnatural. I mean, yeah, mm. obviously, it's supposed to be a choir, but yeah. it really does sound like it's processed within an inch of its life. Yeah, and like
2: so
1: maybe, maybe Evangelist lives next door <laughs> <Yeah>. or something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the John Williams. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's also listen to the. There's a cue called the Jurassic Park Gate, which is, Dan touched on it before, you know, the big giant doors that we think King Kong might be in. Mm. Um, and going Afro-Cuban again, John Williams, he pulls out instruments like uh, the Jembe, the surdo, which is like a Brazilian bass drum. Uh, there's rain sticks, sh- 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 kind of sounds. Mm. Um, and then he kind of pairs it with things like harp and bass clarinet. So, it really gives you this primitive, um, slightly exotic, but mainly kind of primitive um, sound, uh, which is, yeah just something a bit more unique in the score.
2: I'm having flashbacks here to any game from the 1990s that had, like, you looking after tribes or something like that, uh, like of Empires, Age of Empires. I, I was about about to say Age of like Empires. that sort yeah. of thing. Absolutely, that's the sound that they went for in all of those. Yeah, yeah just with that, the Jurassic Park theme on top. Yeah.
1: And I love how it comes in with a bit of swagger. Mm. Yeah. It's, sort of, it's, it's not the, yeah.
0: the huge noble performance on the trumpets. Mm. It's Yeah, it's, it's sort of the horns are getting into it a bit. It's not in a uh, different... Time signature really is it? Uh, no, it's, it's just all look, it's different all written groupings. In, yeah, it's all written in kind of four four. It's yeah, just, um, which is why the melody works when it comes in. Um, whereas the the backing is sort of uh, combinations instead of you know twos and fours. Yeah. it's lots of threes Jump, and then little twos. so it's one two three, one two three, one two one two three. Yeah, and he puts uh, all the the uh, extra
1: kind of you know miscellaneous percussion instruments. Yeah, on on odd particular
0: beats, just to throw yeah. us a bit. Yeah, yeah, kind cool. So it's sort of really helps to, uh, you know, sell that you were in another place because it doesn't feel like it's, you know, like the march of, uh, you know, the, the Jurassic Park theme. No. Or at least mm. the theme I like. Um, but, you know, it allows that theme to come in and it to sort of still feel like it's in the same place. Mm. Um, yeah, it's cool. Now, do you guys know what the Vibrous
2: lap is? is it
0: the, oh, yeah. Uh, the, the, you use it in reggae music. that go...
2: Like that uh, yeah.
0: yeah No th- this is it, it, What it looks like Is like a block of wood That has A little Extra- I don't know arm with a noggin on it Yeah And then <laughs> yeah, you yeah. hit it And so it, it's normally Sort of used in Like comic mm. A lot of the time It's used in comic things Or in like a uh, what other context would you use yeah, that? No, I'm, reggae. I'm, I'm right with reggae. Oh, you're it's, right. It's, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <sighs> Dan <sighs> insists it's reggae. Yeah, uh, I promise yeah. you. Thanks, Dan. <laughs> yep.
1: comedy, comedy writing, <laughs> reggae, yep. and uh, transporting vicious raptors yep. <laughs> music. <Yep. laughs> so I'll play a bit from <laughs> the incident at Isla Nobler Q. So this is right near the start of the film where it's dark. It's kind of like the introductory, you know, um, opening piece You know what will this film be about? So it's quite, it's quite dark. We've got this deep choir. We've got the vibra slap. Um, you can't miss it. There's this sort of metal chain. Uh, there's guiro. Um, again, these sort of uh, more exotic, primitive uh, instruments. And I guess in one way, maybe he's appropriating the music of that particular island. You know, it mm. could be. Yeah, somewhere in the Caribbean, like you said, um, and there are some deep synth pads. I know I've sort of got the score for this because I'm conducting it in a few weeks, and just this low pulsing thing, which you can't kind of hear, but you can certainly certainly feel it. Have a have have a listen. Is that love? To me, like that chain is like it's like a game. uh, Sorry, like a a a gameskeeper guy sort of waiting at the entrance of that. Um, it's like his leash it's like he's using a giant metal chain mm-hmm. to tame this wild beast you know we'd go out we get a little little rubber collar or a little you know um, cloth collar for our dog this guy's waiting there <laughs> with his shotgun and a giant metal sheet
0: a chain he's, whoosh, he's At- dragging on the floor mm. come on and it's that vibra slap that is represents the the animal because it's mm. that, like a hiss or like a rattlesnake sort of yeah hiss it's yeah. almost like At a standoff the of- between the two the gamekeeper yeah. and, the, and the animal mm. and, yeah. and you can
1: feel like the sense of anticipation with all these dum, Yeah, you know it's real
2: definitely. kind of like preparation music mm. that John Williams loves to do. So I, I have a theory about this. A uh, particular sound that John Williams has created here that I think is 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 kind of interesting and and maybe maybe a good way to end our discussion of Jurassic Park. I don't know. It depends on whether you buy it or not. Um, where I'm I open. think I yeah, have an open heart. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> Try this out. So I think this kind of sound is resurrected three years later and becomes kind of the defining sound of another particular composer for this part of his career and we'll we'll see i just want to play you two little excerpts the sort of synth male choir foreboding action music i'm not going to tell you what it is i'll tell you when it switches andrew you're not allowed to look over my shoulder and see I'm, I'm, I'm purposely playing. not looking all because right.
0: i want to i want to go in this with an open mind and open heart all right here ready we,
2: to disagree here we go so we're starting with this this track from jurassic park the incident at isla nubla go next piece so, so what was that
1: Nick that yeah. was the rock that was the rock by <laughs> 11, wait Hans Zimmer yep. the three of them Hans Zimmer mm-hmm. Nick Glennie Smith hmm and Harry Gregson, Greg Gregson, Harry Gregson Williams. Yes, correct. So from Williams to Williams, really. Williams to Williams,
2: yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I I, I just, you know, whenever I hear this in Jurassic Park, I always hear the echo of it later with, with With the the rock. rock. Yeah. That sort of really masculine anticipation of a, of a kind of a synthy or altered choir with some synths uh, and some brass in there. Well, Hans Zimmer has said he loves
1: John Williams, even though he writes nothing like him. No. He has expressed his admiration several so, times so maybe you, this is
0: it are you suggesting Dan that the reason why we have Hans Zimmer is because <laughs> of John Williams or uh, because of Jurassic Park look I'm,
2: I'm I mean Hans Zimmer had had a few scores in his own right by this point so I, I could hardly claim cause and effect but I think he's maybe <laughs> taking some inspiration of this particular synth mode that, that Williams is pushing for here
0: it's certainly at least out of the the scores up until that point with John Williams, is it a score that has more synth than normal? Is it, are there any other scores before this time with John Williams that you know had just as much synth going on? I don't think so. I don't think so. I
1: mm. mean, like even even so, like I don't think you'd hear Jurassic Park and really say, "God, there's a heap's of synth in that."
3: No,
0: you know, yeah, it's true. Um,
1: it's it, true. It, they're pretty subtle uses, um, and maybe only because we're analysing
2: it, we hear it. Mm. There's um, a, there's a couple of lines of synth in Return of the Jedi. Uh, what? Yeah, and and that's about it. How dare you? Um, uh, yeah, yeah. There's uh, one right at the start where we first encounter C3PO and R2D2, uh, and then there's also in Empire as well. There's a moog when Luke and Vader fight. Wow! In, wasn't in the there cave. A, um,
1: it was there a? Oh, it was a
2: Rhodes in? It was a Rhodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> For like four notes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, that's you know, his engagement with synth writing is minimal. That's so, true. So that's true. I it's just I think in in comparison, I mean, you know, JFK clearly we saw before had. Yeah, I think I synth. think
1: the Dennis. You know, um, mm. um,
2: material is probably the the synthiest
1: yep. of all of it, and really, really yeah, stands stands apart. And other times, it's just augmenting what's already naturally there
2: mm. in an organic way. Mm. So I think what I mean it's interesting. The score has a lot of everything. It has incredibly dense actual music. has some synth writing, some choir. It has some hymns. Um, it's it's it has some animation, some cartoon writing, some jazz.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I, did, I didn't go into this podcast
2: expecting that list.
1: <laughs> mm.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yep, but we found it Um, and guys I actually I actually think that brings us to the end Um, so everyone out there in podcast land uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode of Art of the Score and if you did uh, go ahead and press subscribe and write us a review on iTunes Uh, that sort of stuff really helps us get the word out there and of course if you want to get the word out there with your friends um, people who might enjoy this sort of thing then please go ahead and and, uh, pod it forward Um, Of course, if you have any questions about the scores that we talk about or any of the bold claims that we make, um, then just get in contact with us on Twitter at Art of the Score um, and Instagram, same again, at Art of the Score. So, until next time, I'm Andrew Pogson. That's Dan Golding. Thanks very much. And he's Nicholas Buck. Life finds a way. (laughs) And this was Art of the Score.